1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you joining me today for part two of a two-part series on e-health. So if you missed last week's episode, I highly suggest you go back and listen to that episode with Dr. Osman Ahmed. And in that episode, we talked about concussions as it relates to e-health. And today, I'm happy to have on Dr. Mark Moroli. He is a physical therapist or physiotherapist. And a passionate digital health and informatics professional. He works in academia, research, clinical practice as a consultant, and on various entrepreneurial projects. All of his experiences has led him to focus his career very much in the digital health space. He has a PhD in this area specializing in social media for health, but his interests and expertise cover a range of technologies and areas such as mHealth apps, sensors, telehealth, virtual reality games, etc., etc. Now, he researches, lectures, educates, strategizes, speaks, and provides thought leadership on all things digital health to various health organizations, entities, and individuals. And he has formal qualifications in health informatics, such as membership in the Australian College of Health Informatics a certified health informatician Australia endorsed by the Australian College of Health Informatics and Health Informatics Society of Australia and is currently the chairman of the International Medical Informatics Association Participatory Health and Social Media Working Group. So, what a great person to have to talk about e-health and his mission is to connect professionals with digital health. So, Mark is great. I mean, if you're not following him on social media, I highly suggest you do that. If you want to get all the information that we spoke about today, just head over to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com and click on the the link for this episode, and you'll get all the things that we talked about, one click, one link. So what did we discuss? We discussed the many forms of digital health. What is digital health? The latest trends in e-health for business marketing and knowledge management. Opportunities for physical therapists to leverage health data for improved treatment outcomes and insurance reimbursements, which is what we all want, Uh, and Mark's case for why health professionals should collaborate with tech companies to create digital healthcare products. So. Lots of great quotes, lots of great info from him. And I really hope you guys enjoy part two of this two part series on e health. It definitely got me thinking and also got me looking up a program at Cornell. So, but we talk a little bit about that during the podcast. And uh, before we get to this, I just want to say that I am fresh off the Women in PT Summit and feeling energized and and emotional and happy and overjoyed. And it was a great experience once again and exceeded all my expectations. And I want to thank Erica Mello and Sandy Hilton for their love of this project and dedication and help with uh, co-creating such an amazing event. And to all of the people who joined us in person and virtually, um, I thank you so much. It was transformative. And if you're interested, you can still join virtually. It's super low. It's $59. And you can see all of the amazing talks, including Lolly Daskal, Sharon Dunn, Nicole Stout, Ellie Summers, Dee Cornetti. The list goes on and on. It was just so good. And Dr. Sharon Dunn is the president of the APTA, and she was magnificent. So you can head over to um, womeninptsummit.com and get that virtual ticket, and you can watch Everything that happened yesterday. It was amazing. So, thank you to everyone. And of course, thank you to Mark Moroli for coming on and talking about the importance of e health. Hey, Mark, welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you on.
0: Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to us um, having a chat.
1: I know. I feel like we've been going back and forth for like a it's long good. time.
0: You get to know someone.
1: Exactly, exactly, and so speaking of which, I sort of read your short bio in the intro, but could you kind of fill in the blanks for us and give the listeners a little bit more about you
0: yeah okay um it's a, I guess it's sort of turned into a pretty uh I guess diverse uh, background for me uh, inherently i'm I'm a PT a physiotherapist um, physical therapist as you would say um, and I've been doing that now for about twelve years. Uh, and I think, look, I guess to give you a bit of context, because obviously now I'm actually more a sort of digital health, um, e-health researcher, consultant, academic, uh, et cetera. But um, look, my, my background in PT is is sports, uh, musculoskeletal practice. I pretty much worked in the private sector um, the whole time. Uh, yeah, I, I guess for many, many years, I thought like many PTs, I was going to, uh, you know, I was on a pathway towards an Olympics and I want you know, I was, I was working with professional sports teams, et cetera. But, uh, I guess, yeah, I probably always had a little bit of an interest in technology. Um, so ending up in sort of e-health is not an accident, really. Um, I probably would have done something in technology if I didn't do healthcare. Um, but yeah, look, I think, uh, I guess to give you the breakdown, I found that in practice, and I'm kind of going from sort of early to sort of mid-2000s through to now, I was finding, you know, when you're treating patients, and I don't know if it's the same for you, um, you know, you sort of, one one in sort of every 10 or 12 people kind of might come in, and this was back then, you know, 10, 12 years ago, and they might have been, you know, logging their running or their pain um, on paper in an Excel spreadsheet. You know, and all of a sudden, I'm sort of finding, you know, let the years go by, and people are coming in going... You know, I have all these printouts from Wikipedia or, um, you know, I watched this YouTube video or I asked my friend about this on Facebook and I sort of, you know, you start to ask yourself that question going, okay, everyone's up, you know, Googling stuff and, and whatever. So you start to get a little bit interested in it. And um, I moved to London. I lived and practiced in London for about three years. And I think the whole e-health and, um, you know, health online, digital, was probably a little bit more established than it is in Australia. Um probably just a little bit slower to adapt and adopt. And I think at that point I just thought this is ridiculous. Like, you know, um, social media, you know, Facebook pages, Twitter was just sort of starting. Um, I'm thinking, yeah, this is really cool. Like obviously there are uses for these tools and technologies outside of business. Um, Is healthcare, you know, following suit? Uh, Are we, you know, is there an application for, you know, checking the internet and social media for your health management, you know? Um, and essentially I kind of, instead of coming home and doing a PhD on the thoracic spine, which I was planning to do, I ended up doing a PhD looking at how people, um, use the internet and social media to, to manage chronic conditions and the outcomes they report and evidence-based practice and all these sorts of things. And essentially it's just been a steep learning curve that's thrown me right into health informatics and I've done, you know, certification and training in that. And so now like I, I still practice PT, um, but, you know, just a nominal amount. Uh, but my life now is, is essentially consulting in all things digital health. Um, I'm a research academic. Um, I'm a senior lecturer at a university um, and essentially working on research programs uh, and, and teaching curriculum across all things, yeah, tech in health, really. So it's probably a slightly longer bio than you need, but that that's kind of how I got to where I am. So yeah, no, that's I- me.
1: I think that's good because I think it gives the listeners uh, a little bit more of a chance to understand where you're coming from as we kind of go through the podcast. Yeah. And obviously, today, we're talking about digital health or e-health. And I guess the first question is, is how do you define that?
0: Yeah, that's that's always a fun one to actually try and, and define because, I mean, look, again, long story short, digital health um, you know can mean pretty much whatever you want it to mean depending on on your focus. Uh, You'll you'll have guys working in in bioinformatics, uh, you know, biomedical science working on genomes and phenomes and uh, exposomes and and essentially, they would say they're doing digital health work. Um, People manufacturing prosthetics with 3D printers will say they're doing digital health work. Um, So I think digital health has kind of become this umbrella term slash, you know, almost, almost a sexy buzzword type of thing. At the end of the day, e-health is pretty synonymous with that as well. I mean, you'd sort of almost look at them together. From my own personal opinion, I sort of try to break it down in a few categories. I mean, one is you could sort of say, all right, from an e-health perspective, we could be very much, you know, as relevant to PTs, uh, the systems in place. So, you know, electronic medical records, electronic health records, uh, telehealth, uh, remote consultations, clinical decision support. Etc. Um, whereas I said, I don't know, to a clinical technologist, someone working in a, a respiratory lab or a sleep lab, you've got the technologies by a patient's bedside, right? So, um, you know, uh, digital CPAP machines and blood pressure monitoring and sleep monitors and ECGs and, you know, all sorts of things. Um, if they're collecting data, you know, they're a digital technology. Um, then you kind of go to the, I guess, call it consumer health tech space so all the stuff that we kind of are probably pretty familiar with so the online environment the internet social media uh websites uh, apps mobile apps mobile devices um wearables fitbits all that type of stuff um and then i guess yeah um probably the last category would be sort of like yeah, big data um analytics you know people working in in data science you know, collecting, manipulating information and, and making sense of it. So again, the the point is it's just this big beast that it really depends on what, what lens you're looking through.
1: Yeah, I mean, that is very all-encompassing and it seems like it takes up almost every aspect of one's personal health and life. I mean, no matter what, you're involved in some sort of digital health if, yeah, if you so- realize it or not.
0: It's a yeah. It's best to look at it really just like a big ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and sense. and and yeah. That's that probably the sense. easiest way to think about it.
1: Okay. So now that we have an idea of the enormity of e health and what it is, what trends are you seeing in e health right now?
0: So should we when we say trends, should we say um again sort of as more relevant to a PT?
1: Yeah. Let's audience, say. Or? Let's say. Let's take a couple that might be relevant to PT and then a couple that might be relevant to people in general.
0: Kind of, yeah, sort of. Uh, uh, all right. Yep. Fair enough. That makes sense. I mean, look, uh, a lot of PTs now, even though it's not really, let's call it new news, um, but I think we have to talk about social media as a trend. Um, and, that, and that could be very much from the perspective of, um, as I said, social media for business because I think, you know, a lot of PTs and, you know, not because I'm talking to an American, but a lot of American PTs um, have probably led the way in the kind of digital business space. I mean, look at the fact that you're podcasting and you've got a, you know, a, a big, busy podcast. I could probably count the amount of podcasts that, you know, Australian medics and PTs, pro, you know, produce on less than one hand. Um so, you know, American uh, the American market I think has recognised that even as a health professional, you can leverage these platforms, um, social networks, blogs, um, you know, various other podcasts, uh, wikis, you name it. Um, from a business sense, so you know, recognising that PT can uh, PTs can be business people. So from a marketing um, generating uh, foot traffic type of thing. So I think that that's one sort of uh, idea. And at the same time, leveraging social media for for patient management, patient education, um, you know, forming online support groups um, for, you know, different different conditions and people. Um, Patients Like Me is a pretty big um, popular website that runs, I think, started in Boston. Um, it's like your Facebook for health conditions. Mm. Um But at the same time, I think one of the trends, and this is what I was talking to you a little bit about, the um, knowledge management side of things, I think we're slowly starting to recognise that social media can be quite a valuable tool in your kit. Um, From a sort of almost professional development, knowledge management perspective, so the idea of kind of maintaining a a digital professional presence on various platforms, um, you know, LinkedIn, uh, using Twitter the way that we connect, um, but even using Twitter to source news and, and information, you yeah, look at, um, look at the journal publishing model, um, where we're seeing articles tweeted before they're really even, you know, released, um, you know, online ahead of, ahead of publication mm-hmm. type of thing. So it's, you know, I think we've started to recognize that, that social media play a pretty significant role, um. Not to mention, obviously, that, you know, and this is almost the big data side of things, that, you know, social media, as far as trends go, um, are starting to, you know, be mined for their information. So, you know, Twitter, conversations, hashtags, um, you know, Facebook content, even even smart recognition of, you know, it's crazy stuff, but some of the algorithms now that can recognize content in a photo, you know, so mining data from Instagram. I know. So. That is know, crazy. crazy. Every
1: time that so, happens, I'm like, "How does it know?"
0: I know, I know. Um, but the idea is, uh, obviously, social media is a research platform, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I guess yeah. So, social media is one trend that we can't ignore, even though it's not really new. Um, it's hard to it's hard to have a conversation about this sort of stuff without talking about devices. So, you know, as I said, uh, apps, smartphones, um, various sensor based monitors um, as said, wearables, um, which is an interesting one too, though. Um, and this is a conversation I have with colleagues in my department outside my office. Um, you know, the wearable market, um, and when you look at some of the, um, you know, acceptance, adoption sort of models, you know, almost wearables have found themselves sort of slipping off the other side of the curb now where, you know, they're fun and their new toys, three months, they're in the bottom drawer. You know, because I think the idea being that, yeah, it's great to sort of track this information. What does it mean? Does it change my health behaviours? So we're starting to see a real push towards, you know, making these technologies more accountable now and actually evidence-based. So, and, and I mean, look, the, the, the monitoring market, I think PTs really should be, a, if PTs, if we're going to say PTs, should be aware of and across. Because if you think about kind of all the, you know, we're almost a movement-based profession um being able to sort of collect that type of information and mechanics um through digital means is is actually quite important um telehealth again that's probably one thing that's worth talking about uh and again probably found that the usa has probably been a bit more advanced in the sort of remote consultation market um Probably due to different, I think, slightly different kind of insurance um, models and stuff as well, um, you know, in the sense of sort of like, you know, your doctor or your, your therapist online type of thing and have a have a Skype consultation. That That's still a pretty significant barrier here in Australia. I'm not 100% positive of the U.S. market, but, you know, it, it, there's not a lot of programs funded, um, whether publicly or privately, uh, for telehealth. But we know we need to change uh, in that area. You know, especially people living in rural and remote communities that don't have access to care. So that yeah, the, the sort of whole um, you know telemedicine space. And I guess look, the the, the sort of other thing to talk about um, is is data analytics. Um, and this is very much a watch this space, but. In terms of opportunities for professionals, especially professionals, I think, um, with a health background to get into um, future-proof themselves or give themselves real opportunities, this idea of of making meaning out of raw data um, and information is huge. You know, all these devices are doing is just collecting oceans of information, but what do we do with it, right? So... Data analytics is just a huge area now. Um, And even if you look at, you know, what went into the U.S. um, precision medicine initiative and the millions and millions and millions of dollars, billions of dollars spent on that, um, you know, big data is not going away anytime soon. So, look, I mean, that's a bunch of trends. Uh, We could talk about a bunch of other things if you really want. Um, You know, Internet of Things is probably a phrase you've heard too. Um, you know, the idea being that as we become kind of more and more seamlessly connected through Wi-Fi and cloud and Bluetooth and, you know, it's this sort of idea that we're just connected and and um, exchanging data everywhere we go 24-7. You know, the idea of smart homes and your fridge telling you to buy more milk because it knows there's no milk in there and, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> your your mirror in your bathroom being able to tell you how many pounds you've put on after christmas or thanksgiving uh you know so the internet of things movement is something that you know the the always connected to the internet uh notion is something that i think you know we need to be aware of um and look then i think you know there's exciting movements going on in the virtual reality artificial intelligence sort of space too so i guess if we probably don't want to get bogged down in too much detail but there's a lot happening in the digital health space and it's, it's a pretty exciting time to be working in digital health.
1: And I think one thing that I want to go back and touch upon a little bit deeper is sort of the data analytics, data yeah. analytics, sorry, data or, or data. data, or, if data, or yeah. data if you're an, an American. Yeah. Um, so the data analytics. So as a phys, I mean, this seems like a space where the physiotherapy world can really mm-hmm. make an impact by showing our value to whether yep. it be payers, to companies, yep. to individuals. Yep. So
0: yep.
1: how does it, because this is something I'm really interested in, which is why I want to talk about it more, but how can we as a profession or even as an individual within the profession leverage some of this data, data, and... <laughs> uh data. Data, and, yeah. and kind of move forward with that play
0: play a role in it yeah i mean yeah look that that's a really good point um and i i actually it's funny that you mentioned that because i had a i had a meeting perfect example is i had a meeting just yesterday um with with representatives from one of our big banks um and and this this is again some of the great stuff i get to do at work now where we we are always talking to industry partners and looking at what we can do together and etc etc and um you know, talking about some of these different technologies and how they can, again, play a role in, in data collection because we, we had this exact conversation, you know, information is power type of thing. Um, and obviously, you know, the private health insurance market, I think that's a universal trend, you know, is always pushing to sort of, you know, make sense of the information they collect because at the end of the day, um, you know, if we understand trends and the impacts of different therapies and, and whatever, I guess we can either better mobilise funds um, or, you know, put resources into things that, that need it. From a slightly more cynical perspective, I mean, from an insurance market, it makes sense to, um, you know, make sense of data because if we can, you know, improve people's health outcomes, they're going to, you know, probably manage themselves better and not use their insurance um, because that's what costs money. Um, but, look, I, I think from, I guess, in simply put, um, like the PTs the idea of a, a PT sort of you know being across data analytics and, and where they can actually play a really important role in that in that space is I think because I mean at the end of the day you know it's it's the sort of the practicing health professionals role to have an intimate knowledge of healthcare and you know in particular yeah you know this really comes back to consumer directed care it, it's about the patient right and we have an intimate knowledge of the patient journey, you know. So, you know, we, we understand what patients are going through, how they access healthcare, um, how, you know, how a therapy session runs, how, how a treatment plan runs, um, you know, and we practice using evidence-based practice and, you know, we, we have a real role in sort of scrutinising and evaluating, et cetera, et cetera. So in that sense, I guess the, the term would probably be meaningful use, you know, and, and that's sort of a term that gets thrown around a lot too. But I think that's where PTs, you know, can can be quite influential in this space, um, because they 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 know the industry, I guess, if you wanna if you wanna say that. Yeah, uh, and ma- yeah, and, and essentially, yeah, it comes just comes back to like what we said, making being able to make sense of data, um, not just collect it, but actually turn it into something, has a significant implication on you know the direction of healthcare, um, what we're spending our money on, you know, what we should be focusing on, et cetera. Um, and but, but the, the point is, is that, yeah, like these devices and all that, and that's what I keep coming back to sort of had their time, you know, data and, and tools and collecting and all these shiny toys probably had their time in the sun a bit now. Um, but it's actually scrutinizing them, evaluating them, making them accountable, um, and making sense of the data that's produced. Um, if we're actually going to benefit from digital health
1: and it seems to me like it's such a daunting task so how does one take something that seems so huge and kind of break it down step by step in order to say it's one thing to say yeah we'll just analyze the data or we'll you know we'll just look at or break it down but it's seems like that's a, a big task. So how does one break that down in order to make it meaningful?
0: Look, uh, it, it is a huge task. And, and the point, I mean, this is kind of where individuals and clinicians and the research fraternity and all that need to come together. And yeah, it's, it's all well and good. I don't just say this stuff lightly. Like, yeah, it is big data. It's big, it's complex and all these sorts of things. But um, you know, at an individual level, it's pretty hard to make sense of that. Now, we can make sense of, of certain things, um, but but this is kind of where yeah, the clinical profession, business, enterprise, and research, and this is what researchers in data science do, um, need to come together. You know, it's it's not like it's not a lone journey. I, I don't think. Um, yeah, you, you can't just say we're going to make sense of it. Uh, I, I think I think it's it requires a team of people in the know, you know, in the know to actually make, you know, meaningful sense of it. But but then, I mean, then that's also kind of where, you know, people working in, you know, data visualization and, you know, we can probably even talk a little bit about this later, but, you know, user interface designers and stuff play a really vital role too, like, you know, the tech developers because, you know, it's it's this sort of, you know, funneling effect really of kind of going like how do we turn this, you know, see of of raw data into a a sort of an output on a screen that, that makes sense too. So there's so many professionals that have got to, you know, be part of this conversation to, you know, to actually make sense of it.
1: Yeah. Because otherwise if, if if you're just this one person and something really interested in, you can't possibly do it all.
0: No, correct.
1: Right. Even like, so let's take, you know, your, your research, um, how did you kind of move through your PhD program and then progress from that to do some of the things that you're doing now in the e-health space?
0: Look, I guess there's a few ways to answer that. I mean, one of which um, from a really simplistic sense, uh, I mean, a a lot of that research, I think there's a, you know, in the digital health and health informatics sort of space, there's a lot of, you know, like use of technology is essentially a socio-technical discipline, right? We we have technology, but at the end of the day, it's people using it and, you know, understanding behaviors, motivations, perceptions. It's really, really important. So what I'm saying in that sense is that it's, you know, it's quite a qualitative discipline. So, and I think we're quite well versed to making sense of, you know, of written and, and linguistic sort of patterns, you know, it's just thematic analysis, really. So, you know, I, I did a lot of surveys and focus groups and stuff like that, and it really just comes down to making sense of what people are talking about, what are the themes in the in the communication. So that's certainly something that, you know, is pretty easy to hit the ground running with. Um, not to say the qualitative analysis is, is easy, but, you know, we're, we're pretty well versed at, at these sorts of things. Um, but, I mean, you know, look for everything else, um, you know, I did, I mean, I guess it's hard to do a PhD training program and not do further training in statistics and data analytics. I did some you know, workshops and courses on that, and I didn't do all this myself. I mean, half the time when you see someone write a research paper and they they're reporting on p-values and chi-squared tests and you know um, all, all all sorts of different you know correlations and right. stuff, they're working. So the, the point is that we're working with statisticians yeah having having a good statistician friend is is very very important in this space um and then look i I guess then it also the the final piece of the puzzle is is education um actually not the final piece the sort of second last piece i'd say is education i mean one is i'm moving myself into the space of of health informatics right health and biomedical informatics which in the states is far more established than it is here but um doing very very good things in australia um, yeah, so I, I I did you know further certification in that, which essentially is trained like that, but that's because that's the career I've made for myself, um, and I needed to understand things at a more robust level. So, you know that that's essentially education in the space of information systems and IT and management and and data science and computer science and and sociology and all, all these sort of things that come together to form this idea of digital health. But look, the the last thing I was going to say in that sense is just, you know, it comes to, it doesn't really matter what, you know, whether it's digital health, whether it's sport PT, women's health, like whatever your area of interest is, you grow because of the people around you too, right? So it, it's it's about our networks and, you know, the circles that we run in and who we connect with. Because that human capital, I think, is really, really important, um, you know, in, in helping us uh, evolve and, and, and get more and more ingrained into a particular topic. You know, we, we learn from each other.
1: Yeah. No, that makes sense to me. And thank you for, also, I was just going to ask you to define health informatics, but you just did.
0: So. Well, uh, uh, yeah, I, well, yeah. There's kind actual of. Pro- well, yeah. Essentially, what? how would I define that? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really just the, the science of or, I mean it sits at the intersection of health and technology of course but it's really just how we collect store manipulate and make sense of information in healthcare um, that's probably the simplest definition I, I could give but it is very much a multidisciplinary interdisciplinary field and and essentially when you look at because this is the other thing I'm quite involved um, in health informatics at a accreditation framework education, board level perspective and health informatics from a competency based perception and this is one thing from the international standards perspective we've tried to do across the world it's a competency-based profession you know and and it very much sits around these disciplines that i just talked about um health science uh, information systems i.t data science sociology management um you know, all these kind of uh, uh, the skill sets that make up a digital health professional.
1: Yeah. And thank you for that. Cause I, I know no, no, okay. you kind of kept saying, I'm like, I hope people understand what he's saying here. <laughs> okay. Um,
0: they, they can Google it. They can Google yeah, environmental mathematics.
1: Yes, you can Google it. Um, now talking about all of the things going on now with e-health or health informatics, mm-hmm. where do you feel like the PT profession is sitting on this? Are we missing the boat when it comes to e-health? Are there things we need to improve upon or are we in a good place?
0: Well, wow. That that question's loaded with um, <laughs> with connotations, um, but it's, I like it. It's a really good question and I need to be careful how I answer it because clearly we're in different, um, you know, Uh, we're playing in different ponds and and pts sort of you know at different levels across the world but I'm gonna say the short answer is I think yes we need not necessarily missing the boat but it's starting to ship away from port you know and we we need to really uh, get our skates on because it could very quickly leave us behind Um, I mean the perfect example is and this is what the sort of things that amaze me um, you know, I, I'm also involved in various, you know, business, physiotherapy business committees here. And, again, we have our email threads and talking to all my colleagues the other day. Um, there's been this sort of ongoing consultation about, this is just a, a good example, um, you know, the, the, dig, uh, sorry, the, the private practice preparedness of new graduate PTs. And there's been all these, you know, discussions and conversations and surveys going on around you know, what sort of training do they need to succeed in healthcare and business? And, you know, when I read this through, I kind of always sit on these committees with my digital health and informatics hat on and up. I was amazed to see that despite some fantastic stuff, not one comment about digital health competence. And that's where I kind of stress a bit, you know, causes me to lose a little bit more hair. Um, It freaks me out um, because I just think, how are we not having that conversation? You know, the healthcare landscape, it's like you said, it's very much hard. It's, it's very hard to talk about healthcare without talking digital in some in some facet today. Um, and the innovation moves so quick. You know, healthcare is inherently slow to adopt a lot of these trends and and I appreciate there's a lot more regulatory frameworks and, you know, ethical, legal implications that we need to be careful of, you know, health information is, is, you know, arguably the most sensitive information that one can provide or collect. Right. Um, but you know, that being said, um, the scary part is that, and this is kind of what, what started to drive a lot of the debate is that it's sort of like, you know, like look at tech companies right who have essentially started to get into, you know, who have started to work in health, um, who have essentially kind of said, well, you know, Hey clinicians, um, You guys have kind of had your chance, but you haven't really done anything with this. We're going to develop the solutions, right? And it's sort of no wonder why we kind of see so many technologies develop that fall short because they haven't involved the clinician, the PT, the the doctor, you know. Um, So, yeah, does it worry me a little bit? Yes. Um, However, I mean, it's not all doom and gloom. You know, we're we're seeing a lot more, um, you know, educational programs crop up. As I said, the UK is, fantastic, uh, UK, UK is fantastic, but the US has got, you know, dedicated, strong bachelor and master level programs in e-health and health informatics. As said, that's what I was doing in Cornell uh, last year. I was lecturing into a health informatics master's course, uh, which was, was great. Uh, and, we're, you know, again, that, that's happening all over the world. Um, we're certainly doing these things here. Um, that's the exact type of I'm currently developing a digital health curriculum for our undergrads at the university. So the world is changing, but what it needs is more actual health professionals that speak the language, that have the training, that have the foundations, the competence to drive this, Um, you know, and this is kind of constantly, you know, the type of people I try to surround myself with. Even people like you who know that it's important and can, you know, can be a commentator for it, you know, it's really, really important.
1: Yeah, it is important. And I think the the most important thing that you said in that was that the health professionals need to be part of the team. You know, like a couple of years ago, I went to TED Med. So, you know, there's the big TED conference, right? That's the the big one. So then they have an offshoot, which is TED Med, which is obviously TED, but geared towards the medical profession. Yep. And this was maybe, I don't know, four years ago or five years ago. I mean, it's not cheap, you know, but I applied for a scholarship and got that scholarship. And so I went. Congratulations. Yeah. Very good. Th- yeah. Thanks. So I was at this TED Med conference with 2,500 people. Ask me how many physical therapists were there or physios.
0: I'm going to either assume you're going to tell me you were the only one or you maybe met one or two others. Two. One,
1: one was a presenter. Cole, yep. Cole Galloway, who started yep. this thing called Go Baby Go, um, and me. That there was it. Two yeah. two people. Oh, no. And they had this sort of like area where I think they called it the nest or something like that. And that's where all uh-huh. like new tech and, and new um, apps and, and things like that were just kind of showcased. And yep. not one of the people that I spoke to were in the medical field. You know, yeah. there were people making this one thing was like a belt that someone who has like balance issues would wear. And if they start to fall, it would inflate like a, like an airbag in a car.
0: <laughs> Interesting.
1: You know, cause it went with like sensors, like movement sensors. So I guess we, we don't, we don't want to see people bounce, huh? Yeah. They would like fall. And I remember talking with them and I was like, well, a lot of falls tend to happen in the shower, getting in and out of the bathtub. I don't think. Are they you wearing your belt in the shower? shower. Yeah. and they were like, "Oh, yeah, well,
0: there you know, go." Okay. I mean, not perfect so, example. Perfect yeah.
1: example, right? Yep. Um And so I'm like a huge proponent of saying like a PT should always be at TED Med, but no, hey, look, just, just for uh, those look, little uh, but things. The, but I know it's hard.
0: I get. No, it. No, but that's really. And, and, and this is, I mean, look, it, it is changing. It's getting better. Um, and the good ones certainly recognize that, the good companies, um, research institutes, programs. You yeah, know, this is why we've sort of seen so many, you know, the rise of participatory health, which I'll mention, um, you know, the, the citizen science movement. And even just you know, the idea of co-design, um, you know, and, and good design companies, especially those working in health, know that you know, to really solve problems in health, whether that be through the development of a product or service, you need to have a well-developed and rounded-out stakeholder team um, from, from the inception of the project all the way through to the end to, to you know, quality control, um, you know, and that includes um, whether that be, you know, people who end users, um, patients, clinicians, uh, as well as the designers, the developers and, and all these people. So, yeah, it's it's really important that we – I keep saying this phrase, but, you know, the idea of not burying our heads in the sand um, because it's not going away. Um, and the thing is, and when we do talk about models of healthcare like participatory health and patient empowerment, um, you know, the, the rise of the e-patient um, – We need to recognise that our patients and the health-consuming public are using these devices and technologies and going online and searching the internet. So wouldn't it – I mean, we don't have to be enthusiastic about it, but wouldn't it make sense to at least either be there to be part of the conversation or at least understand what goes on? Um, And so, you know, in that sense, um, I, I think part of what you were asking me was about how we can, you know, get involved and play a role. I mean, Yeah. I think one is to, to wade in. Um, doesn't mean you need to be an enthusiast or, you know, be super active, but, but start following some of the social media conversation or testing devices, um, using apps yourself and see what you think. You know, uh, what does the app's privacy policy say? Where's the data going? Uh, are they sharing it with third parties? Is this app a regulated FDA-approved, you know, app? Um, is it compliant? Blah blah blah. Um, and, and and it comes back to what I was saying to you before about like more tech PD. Go to go to TED Med. Go to go to MedX at Stanford. Um, go to go to AMIA, um, American Medical Informatics Association. Uh, go go to research conferences in digital and e health. And and you know short of that, formal education. You know, there are graduate certificates, there are diplomas, there are masters, there are PhD training programs in e-health. Um, it's really, really important that we start to move in that direction and we're, and we're doing that. We Like, things are, are happening. Um, when you look at all the different associations, the, as I said, the American Medical Informatics Association, the, the Health Informatics Society of Australia, things are, are really starting to move along and especially in the space of clinical informatics, which is, you know, e-health more geared towards practicing health professionals. Um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a long winding road, but we're getting there.
1: Yeah. And it just, it sounds like there's a lot of collaborations out there that can be made.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: And, and I think that's important. And from a clinician standpoint or a, a PT standpoint, physio, however, whatever you want to call it, I think the main thing you have to remember as the individual physio is to don't be afraid to wade into something that maybe you don't know a whole lot about because that's the only way you're going to kind of learn more. And I think oftentimes a lot of people try and just stay within their comfort zone and don't move beyond that. And that's one thing that can certainly hold people back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Look, you're absolutely right. I mean, again, you you sort of nice segue into, you know, collaborations. Um, like, that, that, that's a great way to look at it. Obviously, you yeah, know, networking and building your networks. But, you know, certainly, you know, it'd be great to have PTs involved in, yes, yeah, it doesn't even have to be through formal research. Like, research collaborations are great because the idea of research is to scrutinise, to evaluate um, evidence-based practice, um, testing things, test hypotheses. But that could also be PTs working with, you know, Um, What I was going to say was, you know, PT is working with product development companies or medical device companies, um, you know, usability, user interface designers um, to promote better solutions because, as I said, like it comes back to what we talked about at the start, the idea that we have an intimate knowledge of healthcare, patient journey, illness, injury, you know, the whole biopsychosocial model. Um, so, So those sorts of collaborations are really, really important. Um, we talked a lot about data, you know, physios who understand data, you know, working with data companies, data platforms, I think, you know, making meaning of that, that raw data and interpretation, etc., can not only obviously improve patient health outcomes, but, you know, this is kind of where you see sort of PTs and stuff move sideways into consulting, government and policy. Um, because obviously if we can make better sense of information it sort of looks, you know, we, we look to, um, you know improve the performance of the health system and you know inefficiencies and all sorts of things and and look the last thing i sort of really want to touch on in the collaboration space is is essentially the participatory health paradigm and i I touched on it before but you know you you look at um movements like in the states such as um you know epatients.org and the society for participatory medicine um you know, I don't know if you've, you've ever seen any of uh, e Dave's stuff. Dave Dave has got a great TED Talk. Um, Dave was one of the first visible e-patients. Um, I, I would su- sincerely suggest to your listeners to just Google ePatient Dave and, and watch Dave's um, TED Talk where he essentially talks about the e-patient and digital patient community saving his life um I, I don't quote me on this but i think he was uh, living with you know uh stage 4 uh, kidney cancer and he's a survivor um and you know one of the first real proponents of you know the let let patients help movement um you know the nothing about me without me type of um slogan but, but the idea being that you know patients not all um are empowered now, whether that be through technological means, better social networks, health literacy, whatever you want to, you know, however you want to look at it. uh, A lot of people are becoming more um, active in their own health management and recognising that and working together as patients and providers. um, I think we we have a really strong role as a guide, a facilitator, but we we are seeing, you know, within reason a a shift, you know, in in patriarchal medicine and healthcare top-down, It's more open right so so this idea of um shared decision making so collaborating with our actual patients and and the health consuming public i think that's a really important collaboration for pts and 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 that and i say that very much in an offline sense too but you know if you are talking about technology technology provides a really you know potentially nice avenue into that um through social networks and um as I said, sharing data together with your patients and devices and connecting the patient who couldn't otherwise have a medical consultation because they were hundreds of miles away, or, you know. Yeah. So there's a lot There's a lot that can be done. Um, but, again, I, I guess sort of in summary type of thing, we, we do need to recognise that with technology comes unintended consequences and risk and all this sort of stuff. But... Um, I think part of the, part of the way that we're going to wait, you know, through all of that and filter the noise is by, by, by playing more, by being more active, by testing, evaluating, um, you know, that that's my, I don't know, two cents worth.
1: And I think that was a great 40 minutes of your two cents worth, um, <laughs> and a perfect way to kind of end, uh, our little chat here, but I have one more question and okay. it's something that I ask everyone at the end of each episode. And, and that is, yeah, I'm putting you on the spot. I should have said, I keep saying this to everybody. I'm like, I should have said this beforehand. I just always forget. Cause like we chat beforehand a little bit to just kind of nah, all right. anyway. All right. So, um, the question is knowing where you are now, in your life and in your profession, what advice would you give yourself as a new grad? Straight out of physio school.
0: Wow, that's a really great question. That's a really, really, really good question. You're going to make me talk to um, you know, 22-year-old Mark, eh? Um, I, I think, all right, here's one for you. Uh, digital health aside... It would be to recognise that um, our jobs and our work, um, the health profession, physical therapy, is a bit is, is just part of a bigger picture. Um, don't take things too seriously. Recognise it as a big, wide world out there, um, and that you know your relationships and your work as a physical therapist will only be strengthened by, you know, seeing the world with your eyes open and recognizing that there's a bunch of professions out there. There's a bunch of people doing lots of great things out there Um, because, you know, studying physical therapy is very rigorous. It's very full on um, and you can very easily be forgiven for thinking that it's kind of the only thing that exists. Um, So, so I think, Opening your eyes to other experiences and opportunities, um, and I kind of feel like you know the 34 year old version of me, um, you know, certainly probably ended up in that situation. In that, um, I'm certainly not doing exactly what I thought I'd be doing uh, when I graduated, but it also, you know, the experiences also help you um, start to become a little bit philosophical. So there you go. There, there's my uh, there's my answer for you.
1: Sorry, I was muted. I'll edit that I, out. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I, 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 I was, like, sorry. I I was, tot- I was totally muted because I mute myself. I'll edit that out. Oops. Sorry. Whoopsies. Um,
0: yep. I just saw a mouth moving, but I couldn't hear anything.
1: <laughs> sorry. At any rate, so what I, <laughs> what I said was, how can people get in touch with you if they want to find you?
0: No, look, I'd, yeah, I'd love to hear from people and stay in touch. Um, Twitter's always a really great, great one. I'm always on there. Um, at Meroli, uh, you can probably give him the spelling, M-E-R-O-L-L-I, M for Mark on the end. at Meroli M. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, be great to check. I, you know, I'm, I'm online, markmeroli.com. Um, check me out at the web, on the web. Um, you can find me on the internet. There's not too many Martin Morales floating around.
1: <laughs> Perfect. And just so everyone knows, we will have one click to all of Mark's resources uh, uh, over at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com under this episode in the show notes. So one click will take you right to Mark. So Mark, thanks so much for coming on. And this was great. Thanks so much.
0: I'm glad we could do it. I'm so sorry it took so long. Oh, um, that's
1: okay. Australia <laughs> to US, it sucks.
0: Uh, we've done well. It's like you've you, you've ended up eating into your evening now, and I'm um you know i um, it's like 11 a.m. now. So there yeah. you go. there's my day disappearing. So
1: exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's <laughs> thanks, Australia's Karen. always tough, but thanks so much, and everyone, uh, thanks for tuning in, thanks for listening, have a great weekend, and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.